Joe, Josh, and Adam coming to you live from wherever. This is the Little Green Men Show. What's going on, Zach? Zach, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How you been? Not too bad. It's been a while since I've used Skype, so I had to figure it out again. You look like somebody who fights MMA. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beard, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you got like the... Uh... Damn, what's his name? The, the Irish guy. Uh, why yeah, can't I... Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. You got McGregor. like a Conor McGregor look going. Yeah. I have I have gotten that recently. I don't know if that's like a new thing or what. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it's that. A good look, like the, the fade into the beard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good look, man. You know, the Conor McGregor is a good look. Like the shorter hair and long beard. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty rad. Wish I had that uh, Conor McGregor money. That'd be nice. Yeah, and the fuck you can too? promote a fight. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't have a mouthpiece on me like I, like that guy. Otherwise, it'd be making a lot more money. <laughs> how How much of that, like, fight promoter-wise, do you think is just actually them? Like, um... Colby Covington, like that guy, I don't believe that he's actually that a much of a pompous ass. You think yeah, that's normally I, just a show? Uh, I mean, you have to have it in you, I think, when you um, a little bit, you know, because you can tell like some of the guys try to try to do it. They try to like copy Cronin McGregor or something like that. Or they, they try to copy Col- uh, Colby, but like you can tell when it's really contrived or when they're like really kind of have that kind of side of them. Um, they definitely mm-hmm. play it up. They definitely play it up though a lot. Um, I think I don't remember exactly which fight it was, but it, there was like a a specific turning point when Colby was like finally just realized like, well, if I want to make money, I'm just gonna have to, you know, go full asshole mode. Oh yeah, and he definitely did, man. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> which it's entertaining. Yeah, and I didn't even think some of that uh, Jorge Masvidal like beef was really real until. Jorge like punched him in a club a couple days ago or something. Yeah, yeah, Masvidal's a real dude, so like you know, he he wasn't playing it up, that's for sure. And I think he's a he's a good example, like because I had this question, like what's the best or is there a best or like there's so many differences in backgrounds and like mixed martial artists, like yeah, Masvidal was like on World Star beating people up in backyards then i think like bj penn could be like a good example or any gracie really like if you were to build a state-of-the-art mma guy how would you do that uh having a really having a good wrestling base is a, is a good one um something i wish i had um, i didn't i didn't wrestle when i was younger and i i kicked myself for it all the time i, I wanted to and i just never did um so that seems like just positionally wise like if 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 all else fails and you don't you don't get the finish um just because of the positions that they're in and and the way that they are able to control the fight if it goes the distance they tend to win so it's like it's so it's a good fundamental thing like whereas if jujitsu is your background you may be you may be doing really well and you may may get really close to a bunch of submissions um but uh if you're on your back the whole time um then you're probably going to lose the rounds. If you if you never if you never mm-hmm. picked up that submission, then you're left with you're left with a decision, and you're probably not going to get the better end of that. Oh, that's good. And uh, we kind of jumped introductions at all. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so, 
if, I don't think anybody can introduce you better than yourself. So you mind telling anybody who might listen background origin story? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, my name is Zach Busha. Um, I have been fighting since I was 18 years old and I'm 37 now. I've been fighting um, full contact um, since I was 18 years old. I've done martial arts since I was like uh, three-ish. Got serious about, um, really serious about martial arts when I turned about 16. Moved out to California, um, started doing full contact fighting. Um, did that for a, like started really getting really into that and that was pretty much all I did while I was there. And then um, in about 2007, I went pro. So however many years that is now, 2007 till now, um, it's quite a quite a bit of time. Um, yeah, it's a couple. Yeah, I have about 32 pro fights, I think. And uh, that's a long time to be fighting, man. It is. Yeah, that's why I've been I've been trying to like segue out for like quite some time. Um, I picked up uh, some fights recently, but like I was I had already kind of declared that I had I had retired, and then it just it's just difficult because. You're always kind of like I'm coaching, and I'm and I'm and you never stop learning. So you always want to keep you always want to get in there and try it out. And it's kind of hard. It's just it's been a habit. That's all I've done my my whole adult life is fight. So stopping is uh, stopping is difficult. But I'm excited to um, coach some of these younger guys, kind of dump the knowledge that I've learned um, along the way, and um, get them to get out there and get beat up for me. <laughs> And uh, was that a pretty natural transition into coaching? And you're doing like some of your own gym stuff now, right? Yeah, I have a gym in Lawrence, um, Lawrence Fight Club. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was pretty natural. You, I mean, you have to have it in you to coach too. I mean, just because you're a fighter doesn't necessarily mean um, that uh, that you're going to be a good coach. Uh, and I hope I hope I'm a good coach. I, I feel like um, I'm real cerebral in my approach to um to mixed martial arts and i and i spent a lot of time really breaking down uh position by, by position i've like written out a, an entire curriculum from top to bottom that i teach and um I'm, it's it's growing it's it's still growing and i'm still still adding to it but i'm trying to just basically distill everything um that i know and kind of cut out the fluff and then like try to get people as um as uh, good as mi at mixed martial arts as they possibly can and most effective wise. That curriculum you've built, is that kind of a thing where somebody could come in day one, check it out, or do they need some kind of background fundamentals in wrestling, jujitsu, striking? Nope. Yeah. You can, you can start from the very beginning. Um, you, you don't, don't have to have any, anything in the first place. It's, it's great. If, if somebody already has um, a background, one thing for me is like, I'm never trying to take that, uh, away from what they already have i just try to build on what what they already got and um and then on top of that you know like people will just have natural naturally kind of gravitate to one one specific type type of style some some guys are going to be just pick up submissions really fast some guys are just going to have heavy hands and just you know perfect accuracy on the striking and i what i try to do is even though i have a curriculum kind of try to like work around <clears throat> what it is they're good at fill in fill in the gaps where they're not with it where they where they might lose of course and make sure that they're not they're not they don't have any big glaring holes but really try to foster their strengths nice cool 
Well, what kind of process does that like look like for somebody like starting? I guess it'd just be kind of local fights and like what's the pr- uh, process really to get to like a Bellator or a high level UFC style? It's uh yeah, it's 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 a it's a journey and it's it's not easy. So like you you can um start at um if you can if they're if they're around you can start at smoker fights, which is how I started. Um, if you can find those. <clears throat> Back when back when I started, they were uh, very prevalent um, out in California. But a smoker fight is basically a gym puts them on, and a bunch of people show up from a bunch of different gyms, and then they look at you and they weigh you really fast. They ask you how much experience you have, and they basically are like, "All right, you want to fight that guy?" And uh, you're like, "Yeah, that'll work." And uh, <clears throat> and you end up, you know, throwing down with somebody you just met and. Um, you know, there's, there's no build there's no build up before that you literally walk into a gym they usually have a little crowd there and then you just throw down and and if you're if you're really game and you really want to pick up experience then um you'll do multiple in a night i've, I've had guys do like i think four i've had people do in a night but they'll but it's it's a really great way to get experience you know it doesn't go on your record there's there's nothing else to it other than just you're in front of a crowd and the guy in front of you is trying to kick your ass and that's that's what you got but it's really great for experience it's pretty rad wasn't there a Jean jean claude movie that had a uh like a similar premise to that what was it uh like well, every all of them yeah, yeah good point <laughs> good point yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh blood blood sports the one i grew up on um yeah that's I, I watched i watched i've watched all the van damme movies but um blood sport was was a huge one for me and like honestly i I, part of me growing up thought that that was where i was gonna end up fighting is some weird underground tournament in a (laughs) in basement in china because like when i first started mixed martial arts like was illegal in most states um they weren't even calling it mixed martial arts yet um it was just it was called ultimate fighting or whatever and most states were just like no you're not we're not it's, it's completely illegal in this state there weren't weight classes it was by the time i really got involved in competing there was weight classes there was a little bit more to it <clears throat> but i had already yeah, i had already started competing when um like the first old like the first ultimate fighter um reality mm-hmm. show started and that's what that's what really um blew it up okay yeah i was about to ask if you were like starting at like pride ufc one two days where they're not wearing gloves and you have like sumo wrestlers against kickboxers kind of thing i i wasn't i wasn't in it that early but like i I, um i remember that though you know and um so it was already becoming mixed martial arts it was already already becoming they were already starting to set up weight classes and stuff like that but it it was it was a journey to get it to like become recognized as a sport and like i said most states just didn't allow it to uh to even happen even even in california um the reason why i did so many smoker fights were because uh amateur mma was still illegal like you can only compete if you're a pro so um that's why i did i did smoker fights like every other weekend if not every weekend we just drive to like modesto or all kinds of random random places to random gyms where we where we can find and um go throw down do a lot of states um is uh, i think in most states like with enough lead time like you can go through whatever the um the the governing body is right uh, to yeah. to set up like pro fights but in a lot of states it's still kind of um like very restricted isn't it yeah 
Yeah, it's it's state by state basis, so it depends. Like even even New York was like, it, I mean, it's been some years now, but like it was a long time before they even allowed it. Um, there was some weird politics with, um, you know, having to do with unions and some politicians and involved in the boxing world. There was like all kinds of weird stuff that I, that's a little bit above my head as to why, but it stayed illegal in New York for a really long time. Um, but yeah, it's state by state. They have different regulations. Like, like if uh, my amateur fighters fight in, um, in uh, Missouri, they have a certain rule set or if my amateur fighters and they're even just right here in the Kansas border, it's a different governing body. So the rules are different. Like they don't like, like um, knees to the head are illegal in Missouri <clears throat> for an amateur. But uh, the guys, if, if you're competing here in Kansas, uh, uh, you can knee him in the face, which is. I just imagined you in Kansas City, like getting them mixed up. If you don't know if you're on the Kansas side or the Missouri side, get DQ or some stupid shit. Yeah, you'll have to figure out which one it is. But I mean, I, I know I know by like which commissioners are there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's different each each place you go. There's a whole different um, group of governing bodies that that run commissions for uh for the state. You think you have a decent? I'm sure you have a decent, but a uh, a decent toll on your body from like just getting punched in the head and maybe even yeah. severe wound cuts. Like, you have anything on that? Yeah, I have some fresh scars here um, around my eye and stuff like that. Several different, lots of stitches. <clears throat> These ones are actually recentish fights, um, but I have like all along my hairline, all along here, just so stitches after stitches, big big cuts and scars from. From lots of battles and just bleeding all over the place um you know broken broken stuff broken hands broken whatever else broken shoulder um of course a lot of a lot of hits to the head it's a long time to be in the head yeah. I'm, I'm i'm big on defense but even um defensively i've always been really solid that's 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 a big thing for me but uh putting in that much time there's only so much you can do you're gonna get hit in the head a lot and you're gonna start forgetting names that you're supposed to remember and things like that so so uh, right now is a good idea hey uh so you know for like the the tyler durdens of the world who like you know work an office job but they you know run a fight club at night and uh maybe they got some you know pretty pretty bougie health insurance does health insurance cover those <laughs> those uh <laughs> those injuries if you're fighting well uh so if you get injured like in the actual fight the event um is required to have like both they're required to have a doctor there and they're also they're also required to cover whatever injuries happen within the fight so if you need to go to the hospital um but you got to go that night um Usually you have to go. Usually you have to go that night. Sometimes you can you can say you can tell them later and that this mm. was associated to the fight, but they'll they'll be stingy with that. If you don't go that night, then it's gonna you might not get covered uh, for whatever whatever happened um, within the fight. But if you but you know like if you're it takes a month or two to train for that fight, and if you get injured, if you get injured in the meantime, then that's totally on you. And uh, that makes sense. Yeah. That, uh, that that kind of brings up like fight camps. I was kind of curious about like what's a standard fight camp for I don't know about four months down the road. When do you 
what's training look like kind of before that? And does it get really ramped up at some point or how's that go? Well, two months for me is, for me is ideal. Um, at least if, if I knew four months ahead of time, that'd be great, but it's usually not, usually not the case. Um, a couple months is like a lot of notice. So, um, the first month would probably just be breaking yourself in to, uh, to get, get that month out. Um, once you're, once you're four weeks out, that's when it starts getting pretty serious and you start amping up more and more as you get closer and closer to the event. And you have to constantly monitor your monitor your diet and um, make sure you're not losing too much muscle, but make sure you're losing weight as you get closer to to your target weight. The whole um, there's some there's so many different aspects to it. It's a lot, and you and you want to make sure that you're you're getting beat up just the right amount. Like like a couple weeks out, you want to be oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have you want to have guys kicking your ass like almost like it's a real fight. Like once a week, a couple, a couple times, a couple weeks out from the fight, and then maybe one more time the week before, and then the last week you're gonna let yourself kind of um, heal up a little bit because you're gonna be really banged up, you're gonna be really bruised because the training's grueling leading up for that fight, and you don't want to go in there completely, completely haggard. But if almost if you're like a, a hundred percent not injured at all, like you, it's almost like you uh, almost didn't train hard enough. Oh, that's wild, man. Yeah. What, uh, yeah, like, you fight, fight welterweight? Fight shape, fight shape's, like, not sustainable. It's, like, an unsustainable, um, like, position to be in. Like, your your body will literally just start rattling apart because you're doing too much. So it's like, it's like, you want to peak right at the right time and hope that you line everything up correctly um, to be at that your um, top form. Uh, yeah, uh, welterweight is what I compete at, uh, 170. Did you have to ever like go into some pretty severe, crazy cuts a few days before weigh-in, or did you ever fight up kind of thing? How much did that play? I fought um, at one fifty-five for a little bit. Um, I like I've uh, I was kind of pushed into it for a lot like a lot of years. Like some of the gyms I had trained trained with, like people kept telling me like uh, I should try to make one fifty-five because I don't quite look like I'm big enough to be like to, like because because some of the one seventy guys like they're walking around two twenty, you know. And they're like six three, and just just solid muscle. It's it's crazy what some people cut, and, and I walk around like one ninety five, and they're still telling me I'm too small for one seventy, you know. So I did cut down to one fifty five for a couple cuts, and um, it, I think it was like three or four different fights, and then the la- the last one I did, I think uh, was in was in Washington. Um, I'm trying to remember which organization that was for. But uh, anyway, they flew me out to Washington and um, I was I was so messed up that like I couldn't get on the scales. I kept passing. I kept like, oh, passing God. out. Uh, it was a really, really rough cut. And um, we had to wait till everybody else got off stage. And then um, I had to be helped onto the scales. And I don't remember much of the whole thing, honestly. Like I, I was able to make it to the fight. I definitely lost, but I don't remember much of any of it. It was. It was because uh, that's. I felt like I was pretty close to death on that one, and I'm never. I, that's. I, I was like, I'm done doing 155 pounds. That's never something I'm going to do again. Which is another thing too. Is just like the gap between 155 and 170. Um, it's not like boxing. It's not like every three to five pounds there's a weight class. It's like it's a 15 pound weight gap. So 
I was kind of stuck in this weird limbo where I was like almost just too small for for 170, but a little too big for 155. So it's hard to figure out where I belonged weight wise. Yeah, it's something I hear kind of often with like other people I listen to, and I'm I'm a decent fan, but it's how much of a difference? Like, there's so little weight classes, and I don't even know if there's a max anymore. Like, um, heavyweight still got some kind of limitation, right? Uh, two sixty-five. So they have that. They, yeah, they uh, two sixty-five. So even even Brock Lesnar had to get down to two sixty-five, which like that guy's walking around three hundred pounds, and he had he still had to weigh in. At 265. Which after a way, and you get like what, probably 24 hours to try to replenish everything that you just killed yourself getting out. Yeah. Yeah. So you get 24 hours to rehydrate and, um, and eat and all that stuff so that you're not competing, competing like that. But I would usually gain about, um, 13 to 15 pounds. So I'd, 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 I'd weigh in at 170 and then I'd compete somewhere around, um, uh, 185 you would gain 15 pounds in a day yeah yeah was well, holy shit it was mostly it was mostly water weight it's mostly just you're dehydrated so that's the big thing is getting you know you don't want to just stuff your face and fill your gut really like you want to you want to carb up and you want to make sure you get hydrated lots of electrolytes lots of lots of water all the stuff that you need to make sure that your body holds on to that water um because i've I'm only ever 170 for like a couple hours at a time. Yeah. I was like, uh, I was gonna ask about the carb loading. So when you carb load, what what do you like? What would you normally eat? Like, what's a what's a good way to carb load after weigh-in? Like, uh, like after weigh-ins, like my my favorite way was like sushi is nice because it's like rice rice is easy to like, digest and fish isn't too heavy of a meat and stuff like that. I mean, it's 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 pretty light on the system. Um, try not to eat anything garbagey. But that's 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 a great way to great way to start. But it's hard to resist because you want to eat fucking everything right away. And yeah, there's definitely been times when I just went to some casino buffet that I was fighting at and just went ham, and uh, it sucked. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. It was rough because you, you like you your stomach is is shrank so much over over the past week or two and. And then you just stuff your face silly and then you just hate life for like hours. <laughs> and uh you hear like the talk about fighter pay kinda often in the mixed martial arts world. So what I didn't really think about is you're going through that fight camp, each one of those guys is kinda getting paid, right? And then fighter pay itself doesn't really seem to be on par with some of the other organizations. Yeah. Like I think Patty the Batty Pimpleton or whatever. Yeah. He got like maybe fight of the night and he won 40K. Yeah. 20 for showing up, 20 for the win. Yep. When you're fighting three of those, that's like, that's not as much as I would have previously thought looking at a professional organization. Yeah. For for the premier, premier organization in the world, you know, UFC is, is, is the one and the base, the base rate of pay once you, once you get into the UFC is 10 and 10. So it's like if you um, if you get in there and you you um, you fight in UFC for like your first several fights and like say you lose one, you, you just you walk away with 10 grand, which is seems great for um, for a night. You know, you're making 10 grand that night. Even, you know, you lost. You didn't get the 10 grand bonus. 
but I mean, that's months of preparation. And then that was years and years and years of building up to that point to even get that. And then not only that, but you get that 10 grand and you don't know if you're going to get a call for the rest of the year. So you can't rely on that. It's like, maybe they don't, they don't, they don't care if they find you a fight or, or whatever, you know? So it's not like you can just, um, bank on living on that. Yeah. That's insane, man. That is crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's in UFC. That's like the premier thing. Like the base rate of pay for, um, Bellator is like eight and eight or eight grand and eight grand. Telling me like Rampage Jackson and like all those guys probably had like side jobs and they would have been having to make other money. <laughs> well, Rampage, like, like, <laughs> those guys, those guys that we really know, they're getting paid more, but it's because it's contract by contract basis. Like Rampage has been around forever, and he was a huge name. He went through the UFC, he went through this and that. He's he's definitely getting paid a lot more than the base guys, like the guys you've never really heard of, but you see competing in the UFC. They're making ten and ten. But Rampage, oh. he was he was making more than that. I don't I don't know what exactly. Oh, yeah, but def, definitely more. Yeah. So I mean, would is it pretty safe to say like a lot of those guys, like top end Bellator guys, are probably they have to one hundred percent have some kind of other income coming in? Is that normally from coaching or the top guys? Maybe they don't need to, but like there's a bunch like um like uh, like. Stipe Miocic and some other guys like they they never quit their jobs as like firefighters, you know. They just well, I mean, maybe it's something they were passionate about too, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, just work normal jobs, for the most part. Most people do. I mean, I, so I this piece of the conversation about the pay kind of makes me think about like the psychology of fighting. And, uh, you know, Josh and I have talked about this several times, but one of the things that always interests me is like the the psychology of it um, and, you know, the philosophy and theology and stuff like that. But really just the, like getting down to like the like getting into fighting and I guess like continuing down that path. You talked about the passion, you know, I'm sure like lots of guys, I'm sure they probably have those their regular jobs like that maybe they're passionate about, but they just love fighting, too. Is it like jumping out of airplanes? Like, is it like the just the the thrill and like the the adrenaline rush, or like what what I guess what what kind of drives you and and most fighters to to pursue that? Yeah, it's 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 person by person basis because I I hate the thrill of it. That's not that's not my thing. Like a lot, a lot of you tries to get me to go on roller coasters <laughs> and I hate those. Like I'm not I'm not a thrill seeker. I never have been. So like, but I mean, for a lot of people, it is though, you know, a lot of people love, love the whole experience of getting in there. Like I, I hate it, you know, but once, once I'm in there and once the first, um, first strike is thrown or something like that, um, that, that all goes away. I stop hating it. And I just, I, I kick into gear and, um, I do, I, I'm, I do what I'm there to do, which is the part that I love. Um, the, the competition aspect, uh, taking all the stuff that you information and that you've acquired um all the all the preparation and seeing it all all kind of play its way out because again for me it's it's a a high pressure chess match and and it's just the stakes are pretty high because if you if you know if you mess something up you're getting kicked in the face but um that's what it is for me I, i i love that aspect of it i like the the challenge and the uh the cerebral part of it is is what drives me I really love that what you said too, like the, the the high stakes or high pressure chess match. Like that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's uh people that that chess is an analogy that people use um the credit a lot to uh mixed martial arts and in particular you hear it in jujitsu a lot. Jujitsu jujitsu is a lot like chess, um, because you can, you know, you almost have the time to think through your moves. Um, because you can slow things down a little bit, but then you have striking, which is like is it's a lot of guys who do jujitsu who don't like to get hit, they like to think they like to say that the striking is just is just uh is just luck and you're just you're just you know you're just swinging at each other and and nothing to that but the the way that I think of a striking is um is like speed chess you know you got that clock that you're always hitting so you got to move punch the clock move punch the clock move punch the clock the 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 pace is a lot different but it's it's just as um just as cerebral for sure Is that one of those things where knowing who your next opponent is is like a lot of who you're picking to kind of spar with? Like if you've got a big jujitsu guy, are you, are you just trying to stand up with them the entire time? Or where do you pick and how do you pick like how you're going in per fighter and their style? You, you want to kind of simulate your, your, um, your opponent as best you can but you also want to be ready ready for any switch ups too so i try not to get too obsessed with that um then there's there's stuff that comes up i've been i've been um i've been um ready for for one person for like months and then like two weeks out the promoter calls me he's just like hey dude your guy's injured and there's nothing we can do about it there's this guy he says he'll step in uh you know I, I was just preparing for this striker guy, but now I'm fighting this wrestler. That happens all the time. They're like, will you please still take the fight? Because you're not con- contractually obligated to take it at that point because of the switch up. Because you, you your contract said, I will fight this guy at this weight. So you have to sign another contract. You, but at that point, you've already done so much preparation. You, you still want to get in there. So a lot of times I would just fight anyway. And that just happens sometimes. Or like, or like with... Um, on six days notice i took a fight um in bellator um and um i basically had time to fly out to the east coast and uh do a bunch of medical work really fast because it was only six days i didn't have any time to prepare for for gracie so i got in there with neiman gracie on six days notice there wasn't any time to to prepare for for that level of jujitsu you know my jujitsu is solid and it's, it's a big part of my game but you know, he's he's from the family that invented it. So yeah, uh, it's kind of a crazy thing. To yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna not take that fight. Like hell yeah, I want to fight Neiman Gracie. <laughs> that was that was a I, I watched that fight live. Like it was it was so hard to watch him just kind of anaconda around. And I think I think it ended like maybe a neck crank. Yeah, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. There was. <laughs> He's he's still the only person that's ever submitted me in a fight. Um, Jiu-jitsu is really? that's a big thing, but it, it's it's kind of it's a pretty cool thing that that he is literally the only one that's ever submitted me in a mixed martial arts fight. Um, it is kind of a cool thing to say. Um, but I keep, but I mean, it was it was a cool experience. I think if I had a little bit more time, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm like, if I had more time, I would have done a better job of forcing him to stand up with me. Um, he knew to watch out for my left kick. He knew to watch out for a lot of stuff. He definitely did not want to strike with me. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, 
think I think that was a winnable fight for me. But uh, but uh, even just doing jujitsu with the guy, he, there was all these little tiny things that he kept doing, these little trips and and maneuvers jujitsu wise, where I it was hard for me to not stop and just be like, that was that was cool. I like that. <laughs> like he, would, he would adjust something or move something different than I was used to, and I was like, that's dope. But I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of fighting the guy. Um, he spent the whole first round on my back. Um, he wasn't able to choke me. Uh, my defense is good um, off the back. And then he got to my back again the second round and realized that he had to switch up to a neck crank, and that's how he ended up getting it. It just locked all the way in. And um, it's hard to power through a neck crank because I think he legitimately could have snapped my neck if he really, really wanted to there. Yeah, <laughs> that, still uh, bad a neck crank for sure. Is a is a neck crank that's like a hundred percent like a pain submission? Just you feel like your head's about to explode, rip off. I mean, I don't know of anybody that's like actually gotten their neck broken from it, but like I don't sure. see why there's I don't see why there's any reason why you couldn't. I like guess it's it's, it's com- you're completely locked out. It's kind of hard to explain the way that the mechanism, like how your neck's locked out. You have a gable grip. He has my head turned all the way to the side. He's wrenching his elbow into my back to kind of force a vice on it. And then he's he's using his hips to pry back. Um, again, I don't see why there's any, like, you would, it takes a lot of, it's not like the movies. It's not like you can just walk up behind somebody and, you know, it doesn't work like that. Um, it takes a lot of pounds of pressure to actually break, break the spine. But, um, um, I don't know why that you wouldn't be able to produce that level of force, especially the way that it's locked out and twisted the way that it, it is. Is there anybody that, I mean, you know, and so far, I mean, if you continue to take on some fights, very long career, lots of fights, but uh, has anybody ever just 100% impressed you seemed like they're on another level? Uh anything there was definitely some fights that i wasn't super prepared for um that i felt like i definitely got my ass kicked um what's his name uh derek anderson was one of my bellator fights and um he kicked my ass for three rounds straight so that one that one was a was a was a pretty good example he was just kind of he was just kind of teeing off on me from the beginning till the till the end well till till the last like 10 seconds i have the habit of i have the habit of like hanging back a little bit too much because i'm cerebral i like i tend to take a lot of time to kind of like pick apart what it is they're doing which is actually why five round fights have always done better for me than three round fights but this wasn't a championship fight so he basically kicked my ass for those three rounds a lot of it was it was all striking for the most part and then I think it was like the last 15 seconds or something like that something snapped and i was just like oh i get it <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> I, hit him, I hit him with like oh there it is there's the opening and i hit him with like five strikes and a head kick like five like like five straight punches and a head kick had the guy knocked out he kicked my ass the whole fucking time and then at the very end he had to he had to like dive in for a takedown and hold on for for dear life to make sure that i didn't finish that um so yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't ever feel like I've ever been completely outclassed. There's always been a moment, something like that, where I felt like, you know, like I can hang. Is that something mm-hmm. you that you uh, 
like you take into a lot of consideration when you're preparing for, you know, a, a specific opponent, like whether or not they're, you know, cerebral, more like yourself, or maybe they're more primal in their, um, in their approach to, to fighting. Like, is that, is that part of their preparation process? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I, I do well with the people that are, um, the people that are just in, intimidating, like brawlers and they just, they just push forward and put a lot of pressure. I usually have done pretty well within in those cases because like they'll just if as long as you don't um get in your head and let them kind of uh just pressure you and bully you around they they'll walk into a lot of things that uh could get them in trouble so yeah style style okay. style styles definitely um, always are taken in consideration some people are more brawlers, some people are more cerebral, some people are more wrestling, some people are more, you know, more with the hands, you know, because every, everybody's, everybody's a little bit different. And not only that, but, you know, you never know what you're getting that day. Like you, you could look at, you could look at somebody, a bunch of somebody's tape and then you go out there um, and you fight them and they do something completely different, which has happened to me a lot of times. This is what Rocky Balboa did, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. You know, just or just just not accept. I mean, he was just like not accepting that he was supposed to lose that fight. He was just like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it to you." But yeah, like I, I, I'm trying to remember this guy's name. I fought not too long ago. Um, uh, he so his last name was Jones. He goes by Osmosis. I forgot his first name. Um, but like a, <laughs> he he was a he's a striker guy. Um, and all of his fights, and I, I watched him strike, and I was really excited. I was like, "Sweet, this guy's gonna stand up with me." I, I I was excited about it, and he went straight for the takedown. And um, he just held position and um, eked out a win over three rounds just by holding me in in positions and basically just doing enough not to get submitted. And that was that kind of stuff is really frustrating because um, you you know it was a big switch up, you know. Looked at every other fight he had, and, and he 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 played the safe game, and uh, just decided he was just gonna gonna lay on me. So happens, you know. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't doing enough to fight my way up. So is what it is. Yeah, that's tough, man. And that those gotta suck. Fighting's fighting's a tough road, man. It's just it's 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 um you. Like like you said, it's not like we it's not like we get paid the big bucks, you know, unless you're unless you're Connor or one of these guys. So you're just out there doing something you're passionate about. And um and it's and only one of you can win. And even if you're you're totally on another level with then somebody shit happens, you know. Like uh, I could I couldn't imagine like well like especially I kinda know in you, I couldn't imagine you like thinking, Oh, somebody's whatever might be better than mine. Let me do the exact opposite thing to try to just squeak one out. Like, yeah. no, I, I like to fight, you know, and that's why I've never, like, I've never been in a boring fight. Like I, you know, like as much as I'm not a thrill seeker, like I'm, I'm there to do that. You know, I'm there to fight. I'm looking for a finish. Like I'm not, I'm not, that's one thing that I'm not um, the biggest strategist with about like, you know, winning rounds. You know. Just doing mm-hmm. enough to to keep yourself safe, and then and then also make sure you're winning those rounds. Like I'm more concerned with like hunting for hunting for the good opening, and um and looking for a finish. And that's what that's what I've always done this for. 
and you know it's, it's not kept my record squeaky clean but it's it's how i've always approached fighting and so i don't think i can i don't think i could really change that up as a fan i know i like a war much better than yeah than so then a couple people laying on each other or, or at least people people going for the finish you know Mm-hmm. which which always turns into which inevitably if you got two people that are looking to to finish get the job done then you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see a battle yeah and you can tell too when you're watching fights like if it like when somebody's too cautious and um you know they're, they're like playing it ultra safe and it's like super boring um it's not even so much about the fact that it's boring you're just like I don't know, kind of seeing somebody where like, you know, that that's their intent, you know, yeah. and um, it, it just it, it doesn't it, it doesn't strike me as like being like. Um, taking away the, the entertainment value of it, just like the the kind of person, you know, that that yeah. um, isn't trying to win it or isn't trying to at least just like, yeah, they're trying, they're trying look to look for that opening, you know, right? They're not, they're, they're not trying to win. They're just trying not to lose, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. That. Thank, thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and you'll 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 see that from time to time, especially like with, you know, somebody who's, <clears throat> I think with the uh with the osmosis thing in particular, I think the guy was was making sure that he got the win. Like it would look good for him to beat me, and he might be the guy. You know, we're right on right on the cusp of possibly getting that phone call from Dana White, which is probably what he's looking for. And he's just like, I can't, I can't take the risk. I'm just going to play it safe on this one. And then hopefully get that phone call, which, you know, I get it. You know, I get it. He's trying to secure his future. So it is what it is. Not, not, not my style, but, but I get it. Could kind of talk about that compensation. I, is are there fighters that 100% just try to stay ready just to be able to pick up fights as people drop out? Like that's their entire jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some people that are just ready to um to to throw down at any moment. Um, you're seeing that with um uh, Ham, Hamzat right now. Like he's just like put me in now. There's like a lot of those guys that are just like I will fight as many times as you give it to me. I will fight now. And I don't care if it's he, uh, in a week or from my last fight. Like, I'm just need, I'll jump in as much as you want. Is that who fought, like, Gilbert, whatever, on this last card? Uh, Burns, yeah. Gilbert Burns. That dude's nuts, man. Yeah. I don't think he'd been touched at all before that fight. Yeah. But that was one of the more fun fights I've watched in a long time, dude. And um, yeah. who's the... Big wrestler, former UFC champ of his weight class. Uh, trains with Khabib all the time. Big dude, now he announces. Yeah, uh, I can picture him. But now I'm forgetting his name. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, regardless, I can't, I can't think of his name. But I hadn't heard of him until uh, he started talking about him. DC? Yeah, DC. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, until he started talking about him, and he was like, "No, this dude is for real." Um, does he? Do you know if uh, Kamzat practices like that same kind of striking martial art that uh, Khabib did? I think it's like Taibo, or I'm not sure. Well, I think they're both. They both have a sambo background. I think is sambo. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like striking and wrestling, um, and like submission wrestling with strikes and stuff like that. So it's a really solid background to come from. Um. 
Yeah, I have a couple kids um, from Russia that have been talking about it nonstop that are that are training with me right now. Um, I have this one. He's actually Vietnamese, but he grew up in Russia and he's a student at KU. So he's been training with us and he's, he just turned 19 and he has a fight, his first fight um, in two weeks from now. And he, lo- he loves Hamzat, talks about him all the time. Yeah. yeah, the dude's fun. It was like, I think it was uh, maybe two fights ago. He's getting interviewed. He's like, who do you want next? He's like, anybody. I'll kill them all. Like, kill just... everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy's nuts. <laughs> yeah, and he'll do it on a moment's notice. Um, I, I would take, I mean, like I said, I took that fight on six days notice, but it's not something like I would, I would normally do, um, on, on short notice. I'm just not like, I'm not that guy. It's just like, I'm, I, I like to get fat and I like to, to drink beer and, and uh, like after a fight and stuff like that. And for me to cut down to 170, it's going to take at least a few weeks at a bare minimum. So usually that's not usually that's not the case unless you catch me fresh off a, off a fight where i didn't take a lot of damage or something like that then maybe I'll, I'll be able to jump in short notice but i usually don't do super short notice net fights um but we have we have um another coach um who uh teaches some of the classes he, we have him uh, teach our kickboxing classes on tuesday and thursday nights at lawrence fight club named uh wayman wayman carter and uh He's like he's older than me even, and he uh, he has like a bunch of his front teeth are missing. He's awesome, awesome dude. Everybody loves him. Um, he's a grandpa, but he's still fighting, and he will take he will take a fight on a day's notice. He does not care. He, he's he's just known for just he'll just run off and and take a fight in a week or a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever. He he just jumps in. Where does that come from? That is, <laughs> that's that's just love of it, I guess. Yeah, and he'll he'll compete at. Um, sometimes he'll compete at one eighty five, or he'll compete at two hundred five. He's competed at heavyweight. He just genuinely doesn't care. <laughs> hey, so yeah, just uh, throw, me some, throw me some money. Is it boxing? Is it MMA? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Speaking of the, uh, you know, of him being older, how does it, it, is age is prevalent? like in the fighting world as as people say it is maybe not maybe not as much as some other sports um because uh there's just so much to know and experience weighs weighs pretty heavy and you see it like you see guys like in their 40s still competing and doing really well in like the ufc and stuff like that maybe not much after their 40s right but like um and, and you definitely see a different style different way stylistically you know you're gonna have to use your experience and these younger guys are going to be really athletic and stuff like that. And you got to figure out ways around it. But, um, I think, uh, like what's that? Like Randy Couture got his second UFC belt at like 42 or something like that. Like, it's, wow. it's, there's a, there's a longer shelf life, um, in MMA, I would say than a lot of other sports. Like you, you don't see that as much, um, in like football or basketball. You know, maybe a couple quarterbacks, right? That are that are older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, like most of these guys are done in their upper twenties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just kind of thought of something. Yeah. Um, because I was thinking of like my favorite face-off in like UFC history. It's like Mirko Krokop. I think it's like Wanderlei Silva, maybe. Yeah. And uh, how much does like? 
scare like scaring somebody or intimidating them before like is that an actual means i mean you have two trained fighters that are ready to rip each other's heads off people legit like are you anybody get intimidated beforehand or is that something that you would try to get under somebody's um, skin to try to I don't, I don't do that. Like I, I, like I, I'm like, I was known for like, walk. I think I would throw people off in a totally different manner. Cause like, I'll walk right up to them and with a big smile at the weigh-ins and be like, Hey man, what's up? Nice to meet you. <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? You realize we're fighting yeah. tomorrow, right? Like, like, yeah, man, I just want to say hi. Um, so uh, yeah, it depends. And that was, that was just my way, you know, didn't mean I didn't take it serious when we were in there. It's like, it's time to throw down, you know? Or whatever but like it, it was never it's never personal for me but some people some people everybody's approach is differently you know like um some people need to hate the person that they're fighting like like i've i've had guys i trained and i've trained with or trained that you know like they'll start talking shit on the guy you know just everything he does like oh fuck that guy you know like they're looking at pictures yeah. this fucking dirtbag piece of shit like it's just, just, just that, that they, they got to get in that mindset and that that's that's what works for them um vander vanderlei is like a whole different story too um i trained at his gym for like a year and um trained with him a little bit he was injured most of the time but um he's a scary scary dude he was actually one of the guys that kept telling me to go down to 155 pounds like he'd get him he'd he'd get in my face because he's kind of a close talker and he just he, he would mumble in like half portuguese half english and just kind of <laughs> in a really intense way like you get down to 55 you get down to 55 right it's like do whatever you want man just don't don't uh don't kill me <laughs> but uh yeah in, interesting guy like he was he was a terrifying terrifying person was he the axe murderer? Who was the axe murderer? Yeah, he was the axe murderer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Back in the pride days, like, yeah, he was. People were genuinely scared of him. He was. He was. He's a fucking wild man. And that's genuinely how he is too. He's. He's just like that. Like he's just. He's just an intense guy. Joe, I might play it at the end here, but uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but. I was talking my favorite face off of Mirko Krokop, which I think he was like KGB or he's like a trained killer. Like it's the you see the face of a man that has like killed people in hand to hand combat. And then you have the axe murderer who's like known as the scariest guy on the planet. And they're just nose to nose. Like I've never put any stock into like a face off before. I always kind of thought they're a little cheesy, but that is one of the coolest I've ever seen. Yeah, Krokop was one of my uh, favorite fighters from the the Pride era too, because he was he was Southpaw like me, um, and and he was a big left leg kicker. So um, stylistically, I love the way that he fought because he was just he was just always looking for that big, uh, heavy left kick, and uh, loved it. He used to say, um, he used to say, uh, right right foot hospital, left foot cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. Just that going back to that psychology is, you you know, you were talking about it. Like when you meet somebody like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Just wanted to meet you. Um, like I, when it comes to competition, uh, you know, in, in athletics, whether it be fighting or football or basketball, like I've always wondered why some people are like hyper aggressive about it. You're like, damn, man, why are you being a dick? You know, like this is this is a fight. It's It's not like some guy like touch your girl's ass at the bar or something you know 
but what you said makes a lot of sense like some people just need that mentally to put themselves in, in the right in the right mindset that totally makes a lot of sense yeah it's, it's just it's all personalities you know everybody has a different process it's kind of traumatic you know it's kind of a traumatic experience um and everybody has a different process of, of how to deal with it and mine is just like you know they don't make it don't make a monster out of the person you know it just they're just people and i always say i and it, it, uh, a lot of times like a lot of times they'll be super cool and then we'll be buddy buddy before the fight and making jokes or whatever and that's always fun or um or it just completely throws them off and they don't they're completely floored by the fact that i'm just like coming up and saying hi <laughs> and uh, shaking their hand and stuff <laughs> Then you get in there and they're like they're imagining you as like a teddy bear. They're like, damn, no, I don't want to fight this guy. <laughs> yeah, they're so so confused. <laughs> yeah, and kicks their fucking teeth in right after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, bro! Bow. Especially yeah. the five, five round fights too. Like I'm having so much. I got, I start to have fun. Like I said, I'm. I hate I hate going out for these fights. Like it's I don't like the I don't like the adrenaline dump. But as I start to settle into the fight, I have more and more fun as we go. So uh, you'll see me smile and uh, have a good time in there too. If you like that, was, that was one of the things that um, people would say about me is if if they would see me start smiling, they'd be like, "Oh fuck, here he goes!" Because you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to, I'm I'm starting to have fun and I'm about to like really start teeing off, and uh, that was kind of the marker of of. Uh, when it was about to get good from from my end that's that's really awesome man is uh is there a you like is there a youth um mixed martial arts now that's is there any youth striking stuff that goes on uh yeah we're actually we're um i'm working on starting some uh youth stuff at at our gym um i think we're gonna start at like age eight or something like that um but um you know, we're not going to have them. They're not going to be out there competing at, you know, full contact or anything like that. But just kind of, you know, teaching them the, the fundamentals. And I've seen so many kids grow up in mixed martial arts, like from at about age eight, and then see them when they become adults and still doing it to just become phenomenal. Um, one good the good way, like to to get kids into into combat sports early is just have them wrestle. You know, uh, my mm-hmm. my th- three year old PG. Um, as soon as he turns four, he's gonna wrestle. So we're waiting yes. for that magic age. So I'm just I'm gonna send him over there and uh, send him send him to wrestling. Like I wish I wish I had done when I was when I was that age. So be excited about it. And I don't I don't care if PG ever competes. I, like I'm not trying to make um not trying to make some you know brutal soldier or anything. Yeah, like, what he does is just I I want him to learn um, martial arts and. And kind of grow up with it and have fun with it and whatever he does with it after that is is fine yeah, i have a of a similar mindset like i wish i was involved in martial arts sometime when i was younger but i'm sure you see people all the time you're like this guy wouldn't be saying the things he's saying or acting the way he's acting if he's just never been, he's obviously never been completely humbled yeah <laughs> hasn't been punched in the face enough or something or ever and yeah. I think that could be a really good teaching moment for my kids, like just being humbled. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's huge for huge for kids to have that in a controlled environment. Cause you, cause what you don't want is, is life humbling them, you know, cause it's, there's, mm-hmm. cause there's, there's no, it's not a controlled environment, you know? And if you, if you, 
if you have a kid grow up with like just nothing but hubris and just runs out there full bore, they're gonna get humbled at some point. It's just in what in what environment? In what environment is that gonna happen? <clears throat> Society is all. Wasn't it Mike Tyson that said uh, like the uh, too many people have gotten too comfortable with not getting punched in the face or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it's a good lesson. Also, also, it's a, it's a good lesson just knowing that you're not, you know, you know, because some people's opposite thing, you know, it's like people are terrified, so terrified of getting hit, they've like made it, made it something in their head that it's not. It's like maybe you're not as fragile, fragile as you thought you were, you know. It's all it's all important things to know about yourself. For sure. And I'm sure you see that too. Like somebody probably comes into one of your classes to try to just want to have like be able to protect themselves a little better than you would have never expected them to absolutely love it. Just want to be tea and they're teeing off on somebody the next day, having fun. Oh dude, it's 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 crazy. Like it's a lot of times we have like guys that'll come in off the street and they day one they're like, Oh yeah, I wanna fight, I wanna do this, you know. I've been in this many street fights. Um, um, how long, how long, how long, how long before I can compete, you know, and a lot of times, like, those guys, like, you know, a lot of times those guys, like, they'll, they'll fizzle out pretty quick, but you see, like, you'll have somebody come in, you're just like, hey, I just wanted to check this out, and they're super humble, and they just try it a little bit, and then, you know, then they, they just get bit by the bug, and they just start showing up all the time, and they're like, this is not, I never thought I'd be into this. I don't like violence at all. And then next thing you know, they're like absolute killers. That's, have you ever had to humble anybody through the door like that? Like, ah, who's the coach here? I'd kick his ass. Is somebody talking shit instantly? I've been in so many street fights and you just have to knock him down. Yeah, a block I mean, or two. That's, that's happened for sure. You know, when it, when it, um, when you just got walk, somebody that walks in this, I have more out in California than than here so far i've been been pretty good at talking people down um but my my coach out there would kind of use you know use me or or somebody to, to to set an example like he'd give you a little he'd give you a little head nod like all right yeah yeah you've you've done what you've done this okay it's sweet sweet just go ahead and throw on the gloves then that will have <laughs> zach here do a couple little rounds with you and like he was he was kind of a my coach out there was kind of a brutal dude. Um, he was like a old school Chinese gangster. So like, if he gave you a look, you're like, you better, it was, you wouldn't say it out loud, but it's like, you better fuck this guy up. Yeah. <clears throat> and then as soon as, then as soon as you, you know, you properly humbled the fella, then, uh, then, you know, see, you know, the seafood's buddies with him. He's just like, all right, cool. You know, that seems, seems like you get the idea. If you want to sign up, you want to learn this stuff, you know, like we'd love to, we'd love to coach you, all that stuff. Yeah. First, it's like he signed the waiver. He signed the waiver, right? All right, oh, Zach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> waiver up. Sign here real fast and then uh, put on these gloves. What's that look like as somebody who's running a gym now, as far as liability wise? Well, I mean, you just have to have them, you know, wavered up and stuff like that. I mean, you're not, like, I'm, I'm never deliberately trying to injure anybody or anything like that. I'd, of course. I, I try to make sure everybody stays as safe as possible. Like I said, I haven't had too many problems um, in Lawrence, you know, um, for the most part. And I like to, I really focus on technique a lot anyway. So I'm not just throwing people in there to, to, to um, just put on the gloves and start throwing down. So 
you know, hasn't been too much of an issue. Beautiful. We are hitting about our mark. Zach, anything right. you want to plug or we can keep going all night if you want, but. Uh, yeah, just uh, come on down. If you're in the area, if you're around Lawrence, come check out Lawrence Fight Club. Um, but that's really it. Um, it's it's for everybody. Uh, like you said in the beginning, um, you don't have to have experience or anything like that. Um, we will be starting kids classes soon too as well. And we'd like to encourage um, anybody who does have a kid to uh, we would like to set things up so that they the, the parents can be involved as well too. Um, it's always good if, if they're able to train as well. That's, Joe, uh, you got anything from awesome. Mr. Busey? Well, yeah, I mean, it was you're a super cool dude, Zach. So, um, you know, maybe down the line we can do this again. I'd love to to chat with you more. Again, I, me, like I, I just love the psychology of things, man. Like I just love to get in people's brains and like really just understand shit. And uh, um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I could probably ask you a million questions, but um, you know, it was it was hard to, um you know, stop listening, man. You just had a lot of good, good shit to say. So, um, you know, again, I think down the line, I'd like to try this again before we close out though. Um, I, I would like it if, if, if Zach said, uh, fuck you, Adam, but, uh, you know, we can, we can cross that bridge in a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's do this again sometime, man. Um, uh, that, that was fun. It's good talking to you guys and, uh, fuck you, Adam, whatever that means. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> He's one of our partners with this. It's just, uh, it's just kind of become our thing. (laughs) Right right on. All right. Awesome, man. It's good talking. You have to get you out here soon. Right on. Yeah, we'll see you, man. All right. Later, fellas. See ya.